everyone, and welcome to episode 390 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? I'm doing great, Seth. How are you doing? Ah, I'm doing uh, I'm doing very well as well. It's a little kind of a rainy, gloomy day here, but we got some really fun magic topics to talk about. So I'm hyped for that. But before we get into that, we got another co-host in Krim. Krim, how's it going today? What's up, Seth? Good morning. Good morning. It is. It's I don't know. It's it's morning. So <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. <laughs> Uh, so today we got a bunch of we got a bunch of topics. We have probably our biggest topic is going to be a uh, a big sales uh, in the magic vending community. Channel Fireball being bought by TCG players. So we want to talk about that. We got some announcements about changes to magic cards themselves coming with Dominaria. Some weird small bits of news. Alchemy Storm still doing its thing. Some Hasbro pricing stuff. A mutate ruling. A flesh and blood thing. Changes on Moto. So we're going to be hopping around from a bunch of small topics today but before we get into that a reminder that our show today is brought to you by card conduit and we've been telling you about card conduit an amazing way to sell your magic collection in their curated shipment service it lets you sell valuable cards with a reduced service fee for quite a while now and as long as your cards have a retail value of at least two dollars you can send in as many as you want and still just pay a five percent service fee and as with all of card conduit services you don't got to sort your cards you don't got to grade your cards you get to skip all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship it out and you'll even get a detailed report with with their results so you can check out card conduits curated shipment option is a way to buy list cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low low service fee of just five percent and right now you need to get another ten percent off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtg goldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thank you so much to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic and let's start with really the big news the seismic news in the magic market which is tcg player buying channel fireball richard why don't you fill us in on the details all right uh seemingly out of left field uh tcg player announced that they bought out Channel Fireball. Uh, this includes so Channel Fireball uh, merged with Binder POS. So TCG players taking the whole thing, which basically includes uh, the content arm, uh, includes their events arm, and then includes their marketplace, which they launched recently, which is kind of like a TCG player competitor. Uh, but they basically took everything but the LGS. Uh, the LGS split out from CFB a while ago, I think. Uh, yep. But yep. Yeah, like just just kind of out of nowhere consolidation of uh, one of the OG stores slash content pillars slash just big name in, in Magic. It's crazy to me how much things have changed. Like I remember this was back before I really was making content when I first was like really, really getting into Magic, like pretty hardcore. It was all about Star City Games and Channel Fireball. Like, Star City was doing their tours. I remember, like, the dual opens where they do, like, Legacy on Saturday and then Standard on Sunday and watching those every weekend. And the pro teams, I probably remember the drama of, like, Star City Games stealing Channel Fireball players and then Channel Fireball, like, stealing back the SCG pros and this big battle between the pro teams. That was, like the biggest thing in magic probably a decade ago and it's really really wild to see that channel fireball i mean i don't i guess i don't want to say they will cease to exist because i don't know what's going to happen as a result of this merger maybe tcg player is still going to keep the site running but they're going to own it I, I really don't we haven't seen the details on it but really channel fireball 
is not what it used to be. In Star City Games, they're still, you know, doing events, but they're not doing the tour. They've really stepped back on doing the spike content they were known for. It's it's wild to me just how much the the magic world has changed over the past like decade or 15 years. Do you think this is a good or bad thing for players? Like that's kind of that's my big question. Like, does this hurt players in any way? I'm uh, n- I don't know. Like, like, what do you mean by hurt players? Right. Like, are we talking like on a financial like thing or are we talking about like just like events or because or, like there's a lot to like kind of unpack with this. But I'm also not sure. Like, I, I worry because everything going through one like does everything going through TCG player somehow increase the pricing? I mean, indirectly. It could. Right? So- yeah, it's it's a monopoly, right? Like think of your yeah. your your cable internet or whatever, right? Like consolidation usually is not good for the customer because there's no competition. And when right. there's no competition, they can do whatever they want. Um so if you recall back when Watsi did coverage and there was CFE coverage and we complained about it and we're like, oh, you know, commentary sucks and blah, blah, blah. There was like SCG coverage to watch, right? We can point to that and be like, oh, you know, but they're innovating in this certain way. And then therefore Watsi had to step it up to, to fight back. Uh, but we kind of starting to lose this, right? There's like one giant marketplace. So if tomorrow TCG player decides, hey, seller fees increase by 10%, like who's going to stop them, right? Like nobody. And that will increase, that will affect sellers, which will then uh, affect buyers and it will trickle down. Uh, Same with the content arm, you know, they they have kind of the monopoly on content now, I guess, by buying Channel Fireball for like spike content. They can decide to like do whatever they want with it. So, you know, it's not immediately obvious this is bad, but less competition is usually bad for consumers yeah that would that would kind of be my concern especially on the end of the sellers because before like if you want to sell magic cards or you were a lgs wanting to sell cards online through a big marketplace you kind of had what you had tcg player you had channel fireball that just in like the last year or so was trying to be a tcg style marketplace and then i guess you have stuff like ebay or amazon which doesn't always have the best reputation for selling magic cards but for magic specific sites there's not a lot of options and now with it kind of just being tcg that does give them a lot of power if they say we are going to increase fees it's not like there's really another place for someone to go and in the past if there was channel fireball and tcd if tcd is going to jack up the seller fees then people could be like well okay i'll just i'll move over to channel fireball and do it over there so i guess that would be the the indirect concern i don't think the event aspect probably matters at this point it feels like it's been a while since cfb events was at least a thing on the national stage. Like we haven't had, you know, Channel Fireball GPs or Command Fest really. It hasn't been like a big thing anymore like it was three or four years ago, maybe 2017, 2018, when Channel Fireball was literally running every GP in the country. Like they had the exclusive contract or whatever with Wizards to run all the GPs. So I don't know if anything really changes on the event end because already nothing was happened. I guess if anything, maybe a TCG decides to fire it up again. Maybe they start running GPs. So I don't know how the events could actually get worse, but I do worry a little bit that this could like indirectly make cards more expensive in the long run. I don't think this would be an immediate impact, but look back a few years down the road. Who knows? It could actually make it more expensive. What do you think TCG gets out of buying Channel Fireball? That's kind of my big question, because honestly, Channel Fireball 
they, they haven't been on the stage in the way they were a few years ago. Once they switched to being a marketplace, it just wasn't kind of the same as far as hearing about them on the same level as TCG or Star City Games. What's the benefit for TCG players? Is it really just to try to monopolize the market, essentially? So I, I don't know the exact details, but uh, I, I don't think it's content. I don't think it's events. I don't think it's the marketplace because, um, like Seth said, they're all kind of floundering and TCG player has them beat. The one thing is the Binder POS. So Binder POS is kind of like your in-store integration. So like, you know, if you run an LGS, you need to keep track of your singles and price them and sell them and whatnot. And that's what Binder POS does. Crystal Commerce is like the market leader that everyone uses and everyone complains about it because uh, it, it like sucks for whatever reason that I don't, I don't know of. But my guess is that TCG player wants Binder POS and they want that integration into LGSs so that they can then, um, you know, get a foothold slash monopoly on that and like kind of integrate people directly into TCG player. Like imagine if you're an LGS, if you could have one system to uh, run your you know, actual in-store selling and buying. But then at a click of a button, everything's also on TCG Player. So you have access to the whole online marketplace. I imagine that's like what they're going for uh, because I frankly don't see why they would buy TCG Player content or Channel Fireball content or events or things like that. So it's got to be Binder POS. Yeah, that, that seems likely to me too. And that's kind of what I've heard people like more insidery finance people and vendors talking about is that that's kind of like the big value is the binder POS system. So maybe that is what really brought the deal about. It'll be interesting to see what happens with content because Channel Fireball still does produce a lot of content, not just for Magic, but for other games. Like if you go to their YouTube, they have yeah. daily videos, usually multiple videos a day. And I don't think it's like, uh, super high views, but they do have a lot of content. What do you think is going to happen to all the content pro uh, producers, creators that are currently under Channel Fireball's purview? Like, do you think TCD keeps them on? Is this going to be a big, another big instance of a bunch of content producers losing their jobs? Kind of like we saw with Star City Games a few months ago when they kind of laid off all their spike content. What do you think about that, Grim? You got any idea what's going to happen on the content end with this change? Honestly, I, I think that I mean, I hope they keep it, right? Like, because Channel Fireball producing more than just magic was a good thing. So I hope they just keep doing that. Like, with Pokemon, I know they did it with, like, uh, Flesh and Blood. So I hope that it's not that everyone loses their job over that. Because, like, the only... I guess, like, I could see the pros staying if the worst-case scenario is that they start axing people. Because, you know, they're still the pros. Uh, but I hope not. I mean... I, I definitely hope not, too. Would, uh, we've already had a pretty big shakeup in the content community with everything happening over at Star City Games, especially on the spike end. That seems to be where most of it's been. If people like, you know, Reed Duke and Nassif and LSV, like those people aren't making content anymore because of this deal. That would be uh, that would be just a, a another blow, I think, to spike content, because there are a lot of really uh, Andreas also on Channel Fireball, Aspiring Spike. They have a lot of really good uh, spike focused content there and having that all go away would i mean it's scary the idea of that for the the community as a whole what do you think richard like what do you think happens with the content end so i think the magic content end is probably fine like either they'll integrate in a tcg player or they'll keep the channel fireball brand but if you actually look at the channel fireball youtube they have a lot of content for 
games I've never heard of. And those videos do not get a lot of views. I suspect those might be on the chopping block, right? If there's like new management and they're like, okay, what is the point of this video? If it's getting like sub 1000 views, like should we keep it? What is the strategy? It may not align with what CFB had. So those ones I think are at risk. I think, you know, like Nassif, Reduke, I don't think they're really at risk, but you know, you never know. Like maybe TCG player wants zero content. But yeah, like, did you know there's a My Hero Academia TCG? I did not. Yes, I did. Uh, there, yes, there are a bunch I of did. other weird games I've seen on the CFB. MetaZoo is one that yeah, I don't know I, that pops up. Yeah. Yeah, MetaZoo. Like, there's a bunch of weird games that don't get too many views. So I don't know if TCG Player has the same focus on these other games. Uh, but I guess we'll find out. So I guess one other question. Do you think Channel Fireball continues to exist? Like, how do how do you think this merger will actually work? Do you think we'll still go to the Channel Fireball YouTube? Or do you think the Channel Fireball site itself, like, will you be able to go there and use the marketplace and it's actually just going through TCG? Or do you think all that stuff gets shuttered and like moves over under TCG's banner, essentially? Or it could be either. <laughs> I I, I'm going I, to see really what's on ChannelFireball.com right now because I haven't been in so long. Oh, wow. There's no magic on... Wow. You just go to ChannelFireball.com and the first thing you see is Dragon Ball Z, Flesh and Blood, MetaZoo, Digimon, and My Hero <laughs> Academia. And then you, you, you press right to scroll and then there's Magic the Gathering and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Interesting. So that seems a little weird, but... I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. I, is My Hero Academia even like big enough? I, I guess it is. I, I played a little bit of it. That's just surprising to me that that's big enough to make it out there. Because the One Piece card game just launched also. Is My Hero Academia a pretty new game? Or is yeah. it's an anime. That's why we oh, yeah, it's it an, is. But I have no idea what the game is about. <laughs> it's an anime. It's brand it, it like but the ga- the card game is like what three sets in? And then and then one piece. So like yeah, like I, I have to imagine that if I mean the cool thing that it could happen here is that like, you know, TCG player like i mean why wouldn't they want more content out there right so i actually think they should keep the my hero content if there is any and then you know uh, the eventual one piece content because yeah, be- that'll help the game grow which, which means they would be really i if this is I, this is probably bad but if they really want to run that monopoly you know what i mean yeah no i guess that makes sense i'm curious i'm trying to look on on the tcg site I think they currently do content for Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. Like, those those seem to be the big supported ones. So, I assume that maybe those will continue on. But it'll be very interesting to see what happens with some of the smaller games that they don't seem to currently, at least uh, very obviously, support on TCG Player content-wise. It'll be interesting. I, I really have no idea what to think about that. Do you think... I guess last question... Does this mean that TCG player has just kind of won this battle, essentially? Like, do you think there's any world where anyone tries to challenge TCG at this point? Because it seems like what uh, Channel Fireball was trying to do, essentially, is they were going to try to be TCG. And apparently it didn't work because a year later, TCG is buying them out. Uh, So do you think this just means that really they're the monopoly? They own the market. They're the, the Amazon or whatever of the magic market, at least in North America. And... There's just no point in even anyone trying to out TCG, TCD, because they're so entrenched and so big at this point. I mean, you could have had this conversation six years ago about 
SCG and CFB, right? So yes, it's TCG true. player is dominant right now, but they're not immune. And I know like plenty of players and plenty of, um, or not players, or I guess players, like buyers and sellers complain about TCG player. Sellers complain about the really high pri- uh, fees on the platform. And then buyers complain about like, you know, getting um, cards that don't match the uh, oh. the condition that they're supposed to be getting, right? Or cards coming in like 50 packages or whatnot, right? So they're not immune, right? So there could be another marketplace that comes up. Um, we already have existing marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, and also the other competitor to CCG player is like actual LGSs, right? Like Card Kingdom, um, SCG. Uh, those are other places that compete, even though they're not exactly the same thing. But like no one's immune, right? Like if if they spend all their time investing in My Hero Academia or something, right? <laughs> and then someone else comes up with a better magic marketplace, like over time yeah. their their share could erode, right? Uh, it's hard. Like they have the money. They can always be like, hey, we're losing market share. Half price fees for everyone. And then a new upstart can't really compete with that. But um you know, the, the giants fall, right? MySpace was a thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Blockbuster yeah. was a thing, right? So you, you can't lose your position. So it's not, it's not for God. It would be interesting if something like a uh, card market over in the EU went worldwide or came to North America. I've, it seems like that some of the EU versions of TCG play are pretty good. And I guess there's also still like very much smaller competitors like Cardsphere, is a site that I haven't used much personally, but it's a site where you can kind of sell and trade your cards. And it's got, I think their site says 40,000 users, which I'm sure is a pretty small number compared to TCG players. So I guess there are still some other options that I don't know a ton about, but it'll definitely be interesting to see. Is that the next next competitor? Like, is that the closest thing to a competitor? I mean, I think for us in North America, especially from the perspective of someone selling cards, that's kind of why I'm looking for this. If you're buying cards, like Card Kingdom's great. You still got Star City Games. You got, there's a ton of places to buy cards from. You got your local game store. But for selling cards, if you want to like take cards out of your collection and sell them, or you're a small LGS that wants to sell online, then I think that Cardsphere is probably the next option, unless you're going to go like the eBay, Amazon route. Um, but as far as magic specific sites, I think Cardsphere is the the next best option as far as selling your cards at this point. Wait, is it selling or is it trading Cardsphere? So buy, uh, Cardsphere does buying and selling and trading. It supports okay. all of it. So you can sell for money or you can trade if you want to. Yeah. And just to be clear, like uh, these are marketplaces, right? Like you, the other options you have as a player are buy listing. Um, like you yeah. can buy a list to SCG or Card Kingdom, um, uh, things like our our sponsor, right? Like you can just send in your your unsorted stuff and have them, you know, take it. Uh, and there's always trading at your LGS and things like that. Uh, but you know, if yeah, you are either. if you're a store, right? If you're trying to set up like a, an online store and sell singles, like you're obviously not going to buy a list to SCG, right? Uh, but if you're just selling things like randomly here or there, like you have a lot of options still. It's not it's not the end of the world yet. Yeah, it's that would be more on like the vendor end or someone who's trying to do it as like a side gig. But as a as an average player, like there's tons of buy lists. You can use all different things. You can go to a command fest or Magic Thirty and bring your cards with you and sell them to a vendor for cash right there. So there's there's plenty of options from that perspective. So it'd be more of the the people trying to make a business out of it or a side gig out of it. I think that might be affected by it. But 
Anyway, that's a, that's the big news. Any other thoughts about TCG and Channel Fireball before we hit up some other topics? All right. Next up, we just got this news this morning. Wizards announced some changes to the Magic product lineup, starting with Dominator United, our next set coming out the beginning of September. What's changing, Richard? All right. Wizards has decided to consolidate their languages. Um, so they will no longer publish Magic in Russian, Korean, and Chinese traditional. Um, so that leaves the core languages at English, Japanese, Chinese simplified, French, Italian, German, Spanish, and Portuguese. And they said they will continue support, WPN support, uh, for uh, those regions, but uh, the new products will be via English. And then Arena will continue to support Korean and Russian languages online. So how big of a deal is this? Like, I, we don't really have a sense of what percentage of cards are sold in each language. I, I mean, I'm sure that English is the one they sell the most of. But do you think this is like a pretty big change? And there were a lot of people buying Russian cards or Korean cards or traditional Chinese cards. Or do you think this is <laughs> a relatively like small <laughs> chunk of Krim is crying <laughs> over there? Well, I was getting yeah. this Korean Ashiox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I do buy all like because I mix and match all my languages right so i do know i i would always buy russian german korean and japanese so now that that is no longer an option uh that's a little bit of a bummer i'll admit that's a little bit of a bummer what what's languages next up Krim? i think you got to replace two from your rotation yeah. so yeah i get <laughs> i don't know i gotta sit down and think about it now like <laughs> I, I guess I d it doesn't really matter. I just need to get two different languages. But the it, it is it is a little bit of a bummer to to lose out on that. If I'm being completely honest, do you think this was just a cost cutting measure? Where I assume it's cheaper not to have to have translators and do the stuff for as many languages. Is this just wizards trying to save money, or do you think the the whole Russian Ukraine thing played into this at all? Because I know a lot of uh, especially a couple months ago, a lot of companies came out about not doing business with Russia. There was actually a Humans of Magic podcast talking to Ukrainian Magic players that were saying they didn't think Wizards or Hasbro should do business with Russia. Do you think any of that social political stuff is playing into this? Or is this just simply Wizards being like, we can save money by printing in less languages. Like, it's less people we have to hire. It's less ink we have to, you know, spend or whatever. I could see, see it being a little political, too, with, with it, yeah. Yeah, I would say it's not political because if they wanted to, they could really step on it, right? Because they're continuing to support Arena in Russian, right? Uh, WPN events are still supported. So if they felt like making a political statement, they could have just said like, you know, we don't support Russia. No more Russian Magic cards. No more Russian WPN events. No more Magic Arena in Russia. So I feel like it's just Russians don't play Magic and neither do Korean and you know, traditional Chinese writing people. I don't know who that is. Um, but like, I think like these three languages, their cards don't sell as much. So they are just cutting back to save costs. But uh, maybe Krim's right. Maybe there is a little, you know, maybe Russia was just on like the, 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 the maybe side and like, yeah, we'll just throw it in, like, you know, just take advantage of the geopolitical situation. But I don't know. It's Russia is interesting just in the sense that that's like one of the top tier bling languages, like the the foil Russian stomping grounds meme and stuff like that. Like that's traditionally like Why? one of the languages Is it because it's that, the smallest print run or something and therefore it's the rarest of the extra languages. Yeah. 
I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, so, when you think about it too, like there, but that that's also like with Korean too, right? Like, like yeah. example, the Korean Ashiok is exactly one of those things, like the first printings. So there's a lot of there's a lot of rare things out there that were specifically in Russian and Korean. I was also wondering, like in Korea or in Russia, I wonder how many people, if they do play just by English. I never really considered that. I just assume that people bought their local language. But then from talking to Phil, being in Germany and German is another language that magic is supported in. He was talking about, well, he just always buys English cards, really. And that's like the normal thing there is to buy English. And it's actually like less common to buy German, even though he lives in Germany. So I wonder if that is any part of it either. Like maybe people who live in Korea and speak Korean Maybe they uh, prefer English cards for some reason. I guess that could also be a possibility. It's, it's got to be the other. It's, it's like how like people that watch anime can like kind of read Japanese because they're weebs and they, they spent the time <laughs> to learn it as opposed to it actually being like a secondary language. Like I think in Europe, most people speak multiple languages and English is usually one of those that they can speak. Whereas I don't think that's the case in Korea or Russia and that if you buy English magic cards, it's because like, you're such a fan of Wizards of the Coast. You like learn English and like all you know is like magic slang. <laughs> like, like I think it's it no more, uh, more of a yeah. that case. <laughs> yeah, I guess that that probably makes sense. <laughs> well, that's, Can you imagine that's, like you can only speak English, but only in like magic words. <laughs> I, I know from like talking to older relatives and stuff if you talk magic around someone that doesn't know it it really is like you're speaking another language like it, it, it our our dialect is so far out there that it, it would be hard it would be what hard if that's the main that way you speak of Saturday. yeah <laughs> what what is dirtle what are, what are we doing yeah. you're trampling over my weekend plans uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Other big news of the week. Uh, Moto changes. So Moto, I think we had talked about this before on the podcast. I know I did a video that talked about it, but there was a problem with win trading in a couple of leagues in specific. The, the smaller leagues, they don't have a lot of players, which are vintage and standard. So essentially what would happen is if you uh, would play Magic Online at a low playtime hour, like especially in the middle of the night North American time, there's just hardly anyone in a vintage league or in a standard league. And what people figured out they could do is have multiple accounts and essentially queue against themselves from two computers. So your one account would play your other account and you have one account that would always concede, the other account would always win. And it was actually profitable. You made like $17, I think, for a 5-0 finish even considering that you had to pay two entry fees to do this for all the scooping. Uh, so essentially, this was a big problem. It was hurting Vintage in Standard. And Wizards announced some changes to Magic Online designed to make this not possible anymore, or at least not profitable anymore. The big change is getting five wins is much less valuable than it was before. You used to get 11 treasure chests in 150 play points. They knocked it down to five treasure chests in 140 play points. So now the math just doesn't work out. If you go 5-0 and you go 0-5, you're gonna take and end up losing value instead of making value. So in theory, you shouldn't be able to win trade anymore. However, there was some bad news with these changes, which is if you actually math out all the changes they did, and it changes like three wins and two wins, two wins gets a treasure chest now and it didn't before. But if you actually math it out, it ends up being a prize cut of about 10 or 11% people have figured out. What do you guys think about this? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to have prizes cut by 10% to get win, uh, rid of the win trading problem? Or is this 
Uh, Wizards just couldn't resist. They had to do something about win trading. They could have done it in a way that prizes stayed the same, but why not, you know, knock a little, you know, a little off the top, a little off the top since we're changing it anyway. This is our chance to cut prizes by 10%. I mean, this, this is just a prime example of this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we sh like, it sucks that the prize cut happened because, you know, People decided to win trade. Simple as that. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, is does that discourage you? Like the ten percent, like from from trying to play Moto. I don't think so. I think people will still play regardless of the ten percent prize cut. Yeah, true. But right. should they have to? <laughs> no, like, we yeah, shouldn't. But we will. And I, I guess like. It flattens the structure, right? So, you know, before you go two wins, that's like a, a, a feel bad. You, you kind of get nothing. Now you get, wait, did you get play points or did you just get no treasure chests? You, you did to, get the 50 play points still. The treasure chest okay. is the new thing for two wins. Yeah. yeah. So now, so before it was really like 5-0 or bust, right? And you, you would try to arrange it so you went 0-5 and 5-0 with a 50% win rate. <laughs> like that's what you really want to do. So this kind of discourages that. It is a 10% prize cut. I think, like Krim said, we're just going to play it anyways and complain about it, but we'll still play it. Like, this is, like, several prize cuts in a row now we've gotten for, for leagues. I, I do wish they did the better thing, which was just detect win traders and ban them, right? So yeah. that, you know... Yeah. Do, but I, I can see how it's hard. and They can't even put, like, new commander cards online. You want them to, like, detect <laughs> win trading now? Like, don't be ridiculous, okay? Like, the this was their easy fix. There. This was their easy fix, so... I empathize with that, but at the same time, it could have given us a little more prize or even a prize bump. Can you imagine that? Getting people to play Ooh. Magic Online? Like, that would be ridiculous with that. Uh, but, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, they did have to fix it. Something had to be done because it was really keeping people from playing vintage or standard. So I think they did have to do something about wind rating. Uh, and it, it took a while. This solution I don't think is perfect just because of the prize cut, but it should do the job as far as getting rid of win trading. And I do kind of like the two win thing. Like if there's an upside in some ways, this might be good for new players or worse players. Because now if you get two wins, if you go two and three, a losing record, a 40% win rate, you actually get almost all your money back. It costs $10 to join a league and 50 play points in a treasure chest is like 750 or something. So even going going two and three and winning 40%, you're losing money pretty slowly playing vintage or standard league. So I do think that's an upside, although I don't know, I guess it's fine. If you're playing standard or vintage on Magic Online, the two leagues is, uh, this affects, you're probably doing it because either you're testing for standard and you're like an old time Odo player who just doesn't like arena or you just love vintage. So I, I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker. I would be surprised if we saw the number of real players in these leagues going down based on this prize cut, even though it's always bad to see a prize cut. <laughs> but I think people are still going to play. Says. Down yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Confirmed it's like Twitter. Bots. You remove all the bots. There's no one left. You're like, what do I <laughs> yeah, do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that could also be true. We'll see. Maybe there's like one person in the vintage league now, but one vintage Sorry, there's left. no more moto data because all the win traders have left. Sorry, guys. And then, <laughs> yeah. and, and then, and then the, the brawl hero steps in. He, he sits oh, in the blood in the water. You're right. In, vintage champion of the world. <laughs> the two, uh, uh, address them as it should be the two time. All right. <laughs> All right, so we got we got a couple uh, a couple pieces of 
magic related, but not directly magic news. Richard, you brought this one up. Uh, some some Hasbro Spider-Man news. What's going oh, on okay. with that? Yeah, so I have a I have a secret hobby. I have another hobby. I like to co- collect figures. Okay, I like to collect hey, action figures. I know and, this. And Marvel Legends. Okay, if you don't know, is like action figures so like of like marvel superheroes right so thor spider-man iron man you can find them in target walgreens whatever yep yep Uh, they're made by hasbro our our dear hasbro and i was just browsing reddit and i came across local company yeah i came across this post about people just like ripping hasbro a new one and basically spider-man no way home uh, the movie that was released uh, recently. There's a new three-pack of Spider-Mans. So three Spider-Man action figures. They're being sold for $90 plus shipping, so $105. And people are going ballistic. They're like, I've been waiting so long for my Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and now I gotta pay like 105 Like Hasbro like is just like raking us over coals. And I'm like... Welcome to the club, brother. Yeah. Like, here's yeah. a, an angry <laughs> thread right about Hasbro. <laughs> Hasbro milking its customers for money with collectibles. And I'm like, hmm, maybe we should stop collecting things. But yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of funny that the, the whole Hasbro company is just set up to sell premium products at ridiculous markups. <laughs> I guess I guess it makes me feel a little bit better as a Magic player to know it's not just us. <laughs> it's, the Hasbro is like screwing over everyone equally uh no matter what product they're making it's not just magic players that they they like to rip off it's, it's just everyone <laughs> well i i also had a piece of magic adjacent news i wanted to ask you about so uh, flesh and blood another another tcg uh they posted a video last week of someone from Flesh and Blood shredding some promos. Apparently there was like an event promo that they gave out to people who got first place in events. And there was supposed to be only uh, so many of them uh, in the last event happened and they still had some leftovers. So they just posted a video on their Twitter of them shredding the cards and talking about how, you know, we care about collectability <laughs> or whatever, which that's fine. Like I get what they're doing, like whatever. Flesh and Blood can do whatever they want. But my first thought when I saw that is, Oh my goodness, could you imagine what would happen if Wizards did? Like, could you imagine the reaction of the community if Marrow walked out in a video and had a bunch of like uh, Muta vaults or masterpieces or something and just like dumped them in the shredder while talking about collectability? We, we've had freakouts over flip it or rip it. Like the, the professor, I was talking to the professor and he was talking about how he had a video where he like ripped a basic land. Uh, and, and there are people who talked in the comments about being uncomfortable about that. Like, they were, they were kind of upset about a basic land being ripped. Could you imagine? What do you think the reaction would have been from the magic community? Because the flesh and blood community was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, it's a little painful to watch. But no one was, like, freaking out about it. How do you think magic would have reacted if Wizards made <laughs> that same video? Uh, oh, boy. First off, I, th- I think <laughs> I remember that thread. That was, that was a fun thread. People were uh, <laughs> a little a little upset with you, Seth. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, that, I, uh, that was a fun conversation. That's true. That, that was a pretty funny conversation, I'll admit. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, Magic players have been upset for a lot less, right? So, I think we know where the answer, what the answer to that is. I think, I think there would have been pitchforks and everything. <laughs> oh, I kind of want it to happen now, just to see, just to see how people would react to it, just out of morbid curiosity. But <laughs> wizards would never do something so distasteful. I think. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> you think they? I, I don't think. I don't think they would ever do such a thing. I think they would get. I don't know. I think. I, I think the reason why most Magic players don't like it is because it's it's not only wasteful, but it's like. I don't know. It, it's it's like a weird show on like collectability, right? It's like a an explicit acknowledgement of like we're keeping prices high which i don't think people want i think people know that yes wizards cares about secondary market and they say they don't but if wizards came out and said we care about secondary market and we care about keeping prices high i think people would go ballistic and i think this video is kind of flesh and blood explicitly doing that and and through action and showing it but i think that's a big no-no for magic players i know we all know wizards cares about secondary price market but they play the song and dance to make us feel good that no no it's about collectability and chase cards or something right but you know they, they care and we don't want the illusion to be broken we don't want it to be explicit right and if it's explicit we go ballistic <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think that's that's very true and that is just like such a big uh, such a big topic in magic like with proxies and collectability and the reserve list that's always just been a topic that's been simmering uh, beneath the surface and sometimes boiling over into big conversations so i think that something like that in the magic community in specific would just uh, it, it would definitely go over very very poorly because people are just like always on edge about card prices and availability that's always just such a important topic to people and rightly so when you're playing magic that's a really expensive game so uh yeah it would go much differently it was very interesting to me to see that flesh and blood players are just like whatever like uh it must be differences within the community or it's a newer game so they haven't been having reserve list conversations for the past 20 years and dealing with all the all of that stuff for the past 20 years but it was definitely interesting because it's another card game like you would think that the new communities are pretty adjacent but the reaction to that in specific is very very different than i would have expected from the magic community so i think you go in expecting that right because like flesh and blood like really advertise like the collectability and scarcity and rarity of their cards right like they're super expensive in print cards so like everyone who plays that game like has accepted this and is okay with it so therefore the shredding doesn't matter to them as much that makes sense when magic players like are actively fighting to get cards cheaper and cards are too expensive and coming at it from a very a very different perspective i guess so i guess that does make sense when you think of it that way uh all right next up we got some alchemy news two weeks in a row on the podcast talking about alchemy this has to be a record of some kind (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so last week we talked about grinning ingus being banned because of a storm deck this week, there was actually a big alchemy tournament, a Crokey's alchemy tournament, and it was the same combo deck, essentially replacing Grinning Ingus with Ominous Traveler and a Sararak, that ended up, I guess, splitting the finals. It went undefeated into the finals and split the finals, uh, 10-0. <sighs> so did Ingus just die for nothing? Like, to me, this is, like, a pretty clear sign that it's the alchemy cards that were the problem and not gritting ingus <laughs> is that is that the takeaway from this i i think so right it makes sense i mean it makes sense to me <laughs> the takeaway is they don't test alchemy <laughs> right? like i mean how can <laughs> they awesome. like cards are coming in that not only are you balancing like the new standard cards that are released right like you're making up random alchemy cards and then like rebalancing like 10 15 staples like every single time like who has time to thoroughly test any of this. Uh, they can't even get like standard correct, which is like a relatively static pool. You're expecting the same balance team. It's probably not the same balance team, but like a, a balance team to 
do this on the fly like every two weeks like there's just no way right i think you just accept this and then expect some kind of super obvious looking ban next cycle and then something else will just bust through and, and do stuff so i think this is what yeah, you sign up for for alchemy i mean it does seem impossible to test and i mean maybe that's for the people who enjoy alchemy maybe that's one of the upsides of the format is things are just constantly changing very quickly and sometimes that means broken things and sometimes it doesn't but you just got to accept when when the broken things happen is part of the cost of doing business but i mean that's hard to balance and test standard under the old model of four sets a year i can't imagine how hard wizard's job is when you're doing four sets a year and you're doing four or five alchemy releases a year uh, and trying to just keep up on all that with all the rebalances that are happening monthly like is it even possible to test this? Like, even if Wizards wanted to put a ton of effort into testing it, I don't even know if you could at that pace. Like, it would be very, very difficult. So I can definitely empathize a little bit with the people trying to test it because it seems just like a unwinnable position to be in. Like, I don't know how you actually do it when you're printing cards at that at that rate. I, uh, you know, like Alchemy okay. is Alchemy is such a uh, that's just kind of the nature of it. You do got to actually have a team to kind of like work with you on it or else it can get out of hand pretty quick. Yeah, no, it definitely. It definitely can. All right. Two other two other topics before we get to our fish mail. Uh, one is Mero announced on his blog, actually answered a question on his blog about enchantment creatures. And they are now decaduous, decaduous, whatever you know that word. Deciduous. Yes. Decidui. The Pokemon. Decidui, exactly. The Pokemon. The Pokemon. <laughs> oh, see, I got to play more Pokemon and then I would pronounce yeah, yeah. things better. That's the that's problem. I don't play enough Pokemon. But enchantment <laughs> creatures, problem. it's not quite evergreen, but they're able to show up in any set now. What do you think about enchantment creatures being a just a regular part of the game now? I mean... Is this just going to be one of those things where everything becomes an enchantment creature, or is there a purpose to it? As that's that's kind of just what it comes down to. <laughs> I, I like think, it, so deciduous means it comes and goes whenever they feel like it, which essentially right. means nothing to me. Like I don't even know what the point of this declaration is, right? Because right. tomorrow they could be like, "Well, we're going back to Dominaria, and we haven't seen Infect in a while, so we'll fix Infect." Right? That is deciduous all of a sudden. Like I don't know, right? They can do whatever they want, right? They can bring back Storm, splice into Arcane or whatever, right? So. I don't know. I think this is just them saying that be prepared for more enchantment creatures, but we don't know when they'll come. We don't know how they'll come. We don't know if it's going to be like the, the aura thing, enchantment creatures, or just straight enchantment creatures. So this is like, to me, like non-spoiler season news, right? It's just like, yes, yeah. <laughs> it is a it is a proclamation <laughs> of something, but like there's nothing you can do about this. I guess keep your enchantresses ready in case you get more enchantment creatures in the future, but... Like, we don't know what set they're coming in. It could be two years from now. It could be next set. It could be four years from now. Like, it doesn't really tell us anything. Yeah, I guess that's true. It doesn't actually give away uh, a ton of information. Speaking of spoiler season, uh, I realized this week that maybe the Magic community, at least on social media, we might need spoiler season as much constantly as much as Wizards does. <laughs> Things get a little a little wonky <laughs> in Magic Twitter when there's no spoilers to talk about. Things, uh, things go off the track pretty quickly there. So, yeah, maybe Wizards... Wizards is doing it for our sake. I thought they were trying to yeah. you know, profit off of it, but maybe it's like, hey, this is how we keep the, the children in line on uh, on social media by just giving them spoilers every day. Things get pretty wild when there's nothing to do. Uh, all right. Last, last non-fish mail topic. 
We got a rules change for Mutate, sort of. And uh, I'm curious if you guys even knew this was a rule, because I didn't until I saw that that was not a rule anymore. Mutate's a really weird mechanic. There's so many weird corner cases. One of those weird corner cases is you could cheat a Phage into play. And Phage, if you don't know it, it's got an ETB that if it comes into play and it wasn't cast from your hand, it kills you, a uh, triggered ability. So you can like reanimate a Phage. And if you flash a Mutate creature in on top of the Phage with its you die trigger on the stack, it actually fizzles the, the trigger. The Phage is considered to be cast because the Mutate creature was cast and the whole pile becomes cast. So this was the rule i've never actually seen anyone do this in practice but that has been the rule for the last couple years ever since mutate came out they just announced a couple days ago uh, they're getting rid of that rule now if you try to pull off those shenanigans with phage it will not be considered cast and it will uh it will yes it will not be considered cast and you will die to the phage trigger what do you guys think <laughs> Um, the thing I wonder about this is why why is this necessary? Like so few people, so few people knew about this or actually did this. Is it really worth actually having a rule about this? That's exactly <laughs> where I'm rule? at. Lots of employees need spoilers season two. So. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> them, they're like, we got no nothing spoiler. to do. How about this weird I don't know, phage interaction <laughs> from like years ago? Maybe we let's, should uh, do something about it. <laughs> How? When was that ever actually a thing of concern? I I've never even come across that it's a hilarious deck if i knew this thing. rule existed right you could like sneak attack in a phage or something and then mutate it and, and like, mutate someone. yeah if i knew it was a thing i totally would have built that deck but wait, now but you could just torpor it's too late dude, wait wait a minute this was like no wait you could torpor yeah, you can still torpor it's ETB. yeah wait, okay so this is still a deck never mind <laughs> there's still ways you can phage there's still ways you just can't do it with mutate anymore but yeah, maybe maybe Watsi needs spoiler season two. Every everyone's just waiting. Dominaria. Well, we know we're getting sneak Dominaria spoilers on Thursday, so during the Watsi stream. So Wizards has apparently been watching all this mutate rulings and social media, and they're like, all right, we're just we're gonna do it. I know it's still six weeks until the set releases, but let's give them some spoilers. I feel like uh, Matt Tavok was playing uh, Commander and someone hit him with the phage and he was like oh no you didn't oh no you didn't let get back to go get back to the office right now call the team up we're gonna fix those rules that, that's how all <clears throat> bannings and rule changes happen in commander right that's just the yeah 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 the format somebody on staff someone dies to something and you're like yeah all right we're, we're getting rid of that when was ikoria i feel this is so long that it's just such an awkward time like how long ago was ikoria uh, Ikoria had to be what 2019 2020 April 2020 was the release oh, yes. date so two we're two years. two years two years in, in Matt's defense I'm pretty sure the way it came up is someone asked uh, about the ruling I don't know I don't know what that person was uh, thinking <laughs> that about Phage and Mutate for yeah. to ask that question <laughs> but yeah you just they outed every too. Mutate player <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, all right. I think I think those are all of our topics for today, which I mean, I guess it's time for some fish mail. Richard, take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Zachary Hinkle one was thinking about a fixed ancestral recall. Uh, single blue mana instant target player draws three cards. You can't cast instants for the rest of the game. What? Hmm. <laughs> I think that would still be broken. I mean, so if you're looking at it as Ancestral being like a draw go control card, 
then that would, I guess, make sense. That would be a big punishment. On the other hand, drawing three for one is busted in like any deck. You don't have to be some instant heavy deck to make it work. So even though that would make it less powerful, I think that card would just still be absurdly broken, right? Like that's that would be worth paying the companion tax on Ancestral Recall if, uh, if it meant that you would be able to draw three for one. I guess what it would do is keep you from casting additional copies so yeah. it would sort of be restricted and you'd play it as a one of but even then wouldn't that still just be broken i i think it would be yeah like that seems can you, can you play a deck without instance can you storm off without instance probably uh, you gotta uh, people would find a way but it's such a bit like if there was a companion that said you cannot play instance would that be good i feel that's such a huge cost like is this ancestral yeah, recall okay. worth it like, it has so, to be, like, a storm deck that can go, like, sorcery speed storm or something. But, like, is that even good? I don't know. But hmm. this one's kind of interesting. All right. The more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, okay, you maybe. You just deferred yourself. Like, you really want this? Like, you know how annoying three fairy is? Like, do you really want this? <laughs> Sick three fairy. I did it to myself. <laughs> I you mean, blanked their three fairies. You meted them. <laughs> the fact that you can't cast additional copies maybe that would make it okay like maybe that would be fine <sighs> maybe it would be okay because there would be a cost to putting a bunch in your deck and it's not like companion where it starts in your hand each game because we have seen like you mori all creature decks or whatever they haven't been very good but they have been things that people have done at various times but it, with a companion it actually like it's there all the time and you can build around it i don't know maybe if this just being a card floating around in your deck with that big of a drawback maybe I still think someone would find a way to break it. I think it'd be okay in most decks, but there's probably a deck that would find it, a way to break it. It'd be bad in almost every deck except the one that does break it. Then it's absurd. It'd be like Lion's yeah. Eye Diamond or something. Like It's like you can't just slam it in a deck, right? But if you build around <laughs> it, it might be insanely broken. So I would put it in that category, I think. Um, I played Bing. I don't understand why Watsi would ban a card if the reason for not altering it is it would be unplayable. Either way, it's out of the format. Is there really a pragmatic difference? So I think the difference is this. And this is, I'm sure, in regards to Grinning Angus. But I think if you changed the card and rebalanced it, that would also affect it in other formats, like Historic, for example. So I think that by banning it, what that does is it lets Historic players still use the the real quote-unquote version of Grinning Ingus. Not that that's, like, actually a super powerful thing. I think that in Historic and specific, Ingus is, like, an against odds card, essentially. But I think that would be the upside. Like, if you rebalance it, the rebalance is, is going to hit other formats as well. But if you ban it, the other formats can still use the current version of it. Uh, next question, Paul Barco. So this might be a hot take, but if one of the objectives of the Fortnite Secret Layer is to bring interest in from other games... Shouldn't the cards be standard legal reprints? Ooh. Hmm. You know, uh, probably would help a little bit. I, I think in 2022, if you started Magic, you'd be playing Commander. That's or also, Arena. yeah. Like, or, I think or, that Arena. maybe maybe yeah. Arena, that, that would be the upside of standard legal, is maybe you can get crossovers <laughs> from people who are used to playing Fortnite, you know, digitally, and would but, be like, huh, you play maybe Alchemy I'll give this a try. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Fortnite yeah, Alchemy the Secret Lair just to troll <laughs> the entire community all at once. Oh wow! Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I that think, would be the upside. I yeah, think. Yeah, I think Arena. I think they should have had a strong Arena tie-in. Um, but yeah, I, I hmm. 
Because that's what the that's what a Fortnite player would play. Like it, it's a big it's a big ass to be like, hey kid who plays Fortnite, will you go <laughs> and buy paper cards and find a play group and go to a local game store and play Commander with them? It's not a very big ass to be like, hey, are you tired of Fortnite for a few minutes? Why don't you download this free to play game that we made and try your Fortnite cards that we made? So I feel like Wizards definitely could have embraced that more if that's part of their plan to get Fortnite players to play Magic. Hey kid, <laughs> I, I just always, I always think of my little nephew when I talk about the talk about Fortnite and Magic because he plays both of them. So it's just, there's no funny Fortnite players. I'm so confused. What do all the boomers play? If you want to play a battle royale, <laughs> is there some other battle royale to play? Hey, oh, PUBG, Commander, PUBG. Commander, yeah. the original Commander. Commander. We need a magic survival game. Actually, you know what we need? I'm that so, is I'm Commander. I haven't done this game. <laughs> I guess it kind of is Commander. I'm shocked they haven't made an auto battler yet. Like Hearthstone Battlegrounds. Yeah, or yeah. Storybook Brawl. Like you could do it with magic cards. Hearthstone does it with Hearthstone cards. I'm so surprised that they haven't done that because those games are actually pretty popular. Like Battlegrounds is Hearthstone at this point, essentially. Like that's but what we- most people play. But would the game function? Like that. that's what I'm wondering here. Because yeah. like that sounds a bit advanced. They're still trying yeah, I, to program standard cards, Seth. <laughs> They're busy yeah. investing in alchemy. Why, how can they do this auto battler thing? Like you're you're yeah, you're, you're moving five thousand miles an hour here. <laughs> Wait, does no one and play plus, Hearthstone anymore? They just play some auto battler now. What is going on? Battlegrounds is like the 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 premier mode now on Hearthstone. Yeah, people. Oh, it's actually don't really in actually Hearthstone play Hearthstone. Clients. It yeah. is in the client. Yeah, so that's the mode that everyone plays if they play it now. I think, or most people. Huh. Yeah, it's actually fun. Like auto battlers are kind of fun. I just magic seems like such a natural way to do it. Seth, you're you got not magic to play any games outside and... of magic. Can't say Fortnite <laughs> is fun. Can't say auto battler is fun. I don't know if I yeah, say you're not Fortnite allowed to fun. enjoy I just, games. <laughs> I just die in Fortnite. But auto battlers are they are kind of fun. Uh, all right, last question. Outgoing otaku recently because of the shift of MH2 and the sheer volume of cards making up the meta. Old modern staples have become more affordable than ever, and my cube couldn't be happier. Getting Goyf and Bob for only 10 euros each. Are there cards <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're getting now that they're cheap? Uh, Goyf. Cube All-Star, that's what he's been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is Goyf a cube All-Star? I actually don't. That probably sucks in cube. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it's that good in cube, but it's That cheap seems now. so it's bland. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> well, Dark Confidant's like cheaper, right? Yeah, dark confidants cheap. I mean, it's it is pretty amazing just how cheap a lot of those cards are compared to where they used to be. I remember like Arcbound Ravager being eighty dollars or something, and like they were just so expensive. And now so many of those old staples have just fallen out of favor and been reprinted a few times. And so many of those cards, if they don't see playing Commander, are like five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen bucks when they were like fifty dollar cards before, which. I mean, I guess it's a good thing. I don't know how impactful it is to modern in specific because, you know, if you if they're not playable, like, does being cheap really do much of anything? But it's definitely great if you just want to collect them or if you're building cubes with them or who knows, maybe maybe they'll come back. What do you think, Richard? Are we going to see Goyf again? Will it have another day in the sun in modern? Goyf is done. No, it's done. <laughs> Goyf. <laughs> Goyf a lot of things would have to be deleted. <laughs> uh yeah, guys. We need a we need like pre-modern. Like you know how like standard is like a rotating format to keep the old broken cards out. 
But now in 2022, it's the opposite. I need, I need an old format to keep the new cards out from overshadowing Goyf and Bob. You know, like I want to play like three drops, okay? Like four drops. Like even with Lures out of the format, lull. no one plays any of these cards because they're so like inefficient <laughs> for their costs, right? Uh, or they can just print Mega Goyf and then Me- that'll, yeah. that'll, yeah. what would Mega Goyf even be? <laughs> <laughs> that is my question to you. What double would, its uh, health and toughness. Yeah, that's that's like regions. <laughs> is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Maybe double would do it. Do you that remember? Would, that when, would be pretty scary. When we were playing Hooting Mandrills? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We should just give <laughs> Goyf hexproof. I think that would solve everything. Ew. You can't pick him off, but you can beat him in combat with like literally every other creature in modern, <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> I don't know if I want Boggles playing Goyf. That sounds that actually sounds annoying. But yeah, that would make it a lot better. Maybe ah, Yeah. Some sort of protection would probably help. Goyf just dies too easily now. Protection from instance. How about that? Give him the old Evercold treatment. Ah. <laughs> uh, I should get a playset of Goyfs now. Just just ensure. Uh, yeah. You don't have one already? No, I do, but get a second one. <laughs> get a, what? Get, what get a spare copy from when he comes meta again, you know. <laughs> I can collect all the different artworks. All the, all oh, the yeah, versions. yeah. Okay, that that would... Okay, well, you don't need four of that. You just do one of each. Buying Goyfs now for the inevitable comeback is a uh, risky financial move, I think. <laughs> that may or may not pan out. <laughs> buy, buy, buy <laughs> while it's hot. <laughs> it's like the the highs and lows back. of owning Jund, right? You buy it, it's cheap, but then it's like, oh, it's so expensive now. Goyf is like $120. Like, oh, my Jund deck is so expensive. And now my Jund deck is now, uh, Jund deck is now budget again. Like all these Goyfs and Bobs and Lilies <laughs> like dragging down the price. Oh, sweet <laughs> budget actually, brew, Richard. <laughs> budget wow. brew, Goyf, dark coffee <laughs> I wonder what oh. your what your build is worth now. Like with all the price decreases, maybe it is pretty cheap at this point. If you don't have all the new cards, like the the Ragavans and Rens and stuff that are so, so expensive. So, so you remember the first Vegas we went to, or maybe the second Vegas, where I was like, I had Jund, and I need yeah. to upgrade it because of Modern Horizons. And I'm like, okay, what do I need? I need a Renin Sixes, a seasoned Pyros, and I'm like, I need four hundred dollars worth of cards to upgrade my Jund deck to be. <laughs> Casually, by the way. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. So and if we ever upgrade, I would need Ragavans, we would need Renin Sixes, we would we would need a lot of money worth of cards to to get my build up to speed. I mean, I uh, that's what Wizards probably wants though, right? Like if if one of their concerns about modern is people just keep playing the same cards and don't gotta buy cards, like now they found a way. Like you gotta update your Jundex, spend three hundred dollars to get Renz when Modern Horizons one comes out, and then two years later, Modern Horizons two, another three hundred on Ragamons and maybe some Urza sagas, like Maybe that's just like the goal, and it's it's working exactly the way Wizards intend. Yeah, the, the, I think it's working out exactly the way they wanted. I don't right? know if they intended me to play Stranglerout Geist and Kalidus. And <laughs> okay, well, hold on, hold on, twenty twenty two. But that's what they're getting. <laughs> you leave Kalidus off of that list, all right? I don't, I don't know what you're there. doing. I got over my there. zombie tokens and everything. I'll be like a lightning bolt. Your. Uh... Your birds of paradise get a little zombie. That was some good old fair magic. I, I, I don't know why. I still don't know why Kalidus is on this list, right? I love that <laughs> card. <laughs> uh, all right. So thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail questions. If you have future questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail. And we'll get to your questions on air. 
And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 390 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about early Dominaria United spoilers and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a wonderful week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.